This is to my spiritual master, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and to all of you, you are Vaishnavas and therefore the most worshipable in the three worlds. Hare Krishna. Today I was listening to Srila Prabhupada discussing the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. And this is emphasized by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the founder of the Krishna consciousness movement, who emphasized that one should clearly know what one's relationship is with the Supreme, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, that is, and also hear regularly about one's non-relationship with this material world. Because it seems quite natural for us to have a relationship. We have uh, love in our hearts. As the Chaitanya Charitamrita points out, Nityasiddha Krishna Prema Sadyakabhunoy Shravanadi Shudachite Kara Odoi. There's a natural propensity of every living entity to love another. Prabhupada pointed this out on many occasions, even when he saw some kittens playing nearby him in Los Angeles. They were tumbling, rolling, showing kind of uh, affection as siblings. And Prabhupada said, just see how that natural propensity is there within the heart of every living entity. However, that propensity to love is, according to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who points out from the various Vedic Shastras, misplaced when I invest it in the material world. Once, actually many years ago, when I bought my first automobile, I read up on it, how to buy a car. First said, don't never buy a new car. <laughs> because you lose 50% of the value when you drive off the lot. And the second is, don't fall in love with the car because it won't love you back, which I found to be very true over the years. And the capacity of other living entities in this world to love us back is also limited, although the, the impetus may be there the circumstances in this material world are frustratingly temporary and always changing. So whenever I invest my loving propensity in a relationship here, either in a thing or in a, another person, then there's a way in which the relationship will change. It changes over time, sometimes quickly, sometimes, although the attachment and, and affection may be there, then the loved one somehow unceremoniously leaves us and we're left feeling uh, bereft. So one of the tenets of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings is that it's not that we want to obliterate the loving propensity that we have because that's not possible. It's, it's our nature, actually. However, we do want to align it properly with the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is our ever-well-wisher. And Krishna himself in the Bhagavad Gita describes himself as Suridam Sarvabhutanam, which means he's the best friend of every living entity. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught that in any situation in this world, we can become connected to Krishna and revive our, our love for him. He especially emphasized five practices, or as they are called in the Bhaktivar Samrita Sindhu, limbs of devotional service. There are 64 items of devotional service as compiled by Rupan Sanatan Goswami after hearing the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Mahaprabhu went out of his way to then give essential teachings and out of the 64, then, he mentioned five that are particularly potent 
he said they're so powerful that even if one has a, a little bit of attachment to them, means you may be just slightly connected to them. And even if you don't have faith in them, and you have, but you still have some connection to them, then you'll still make advancement enough to come to the perfection of the process of devotional service through these five, which were listed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as one of them being association with devotees. Association with Vaishnavas is based on a principle that we're very influenceable because of our nature. First of all, we're described as being very small. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu describes that the, the size of the, the Atma, the conscious living being that's a part and parcel of Krishna, as Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita, so he says, these are my parts and parcels, they're anksas, they're parts of me eternally. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu quoted from the Shastra saying that the size of the soul, of that atma, is one ten thousand size, the tip of a hair. So this is just to give some sense of how tiny is the is the atma the tiny like an atomic spark so this is actually a description of our nature and uh, the other label which describes our nature is tatasta which means that i'm open to suggestion it means whatever i come in contact with i can adapt to that or i will adapt to it because of my association, I'll start to take on the qualities of whomever I associate with. And tatasta means also marginal. So by nature, I, I, I'm marginal, but I'm influenced by my association. Therefore, in the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his key disciples, you'll find again and again the admonition that one should be very careful about one's association. And that whomever you associate with, you'll take on the qualities of that person without a doubt. And Krishna himself certifies in the Bhagavad Gita in a very general way by saying, Purusha prakriti stohi bhunte prakriti jangunan karanam gunasangosya sarasad yoni janmasu that whatever situation you're in now has come about because of association previously. Sad asad means, sad means in this situation you have, uh, uh, in the context of the verse it's often described as you have a good body. Or if you have a, a, a body that's not so conducive, uh, at least for thinking about God or advancing spiritually, you're just tied to the modes of material nature. For instance, if you're born as a can you suggest an animal? Squirrel. squirrel. Okay, squirrel. My little gurus. <laughs> the, squ the squirrel is not so adept at philosophy or self-control. That's why when people act erratically, they're called squirrely. Don't be so squirrely. So they're named after the qualities of a squirrel when they're not very sagacious. So you can get one of those bodies or, or one has received one of those bodies because of previous association, how one's associated with one, with, with uh, various other entities. And that, that determines how I form my consciousness. My consciousness is formed by association. My habits are formed by association and so forth. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu suggested as a primary area of focus for those who want to advance in spiritual life is to keep good association. And he described good association as sat, means those who are very sincere about advancing in spiritual life. In another place, he describes it as uh, those who are like-minded 
and who are more advanced than oneself. As the old saying goes, if you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. Try to be around those who are more advanced and who are like-minded and try to uh, hear in their association. This is what association, the, uh, the essential ingredient in association, just like on a package of lozenges, you'll see that there's a, there are many fillers listed in the ingredient that really don't do anything for you. But then there's the active ingredient, which would be menthol or something like that. And that's what makes it a lozenge. So it makes good association active. The active ingredient is hearing about Krishna in the association of devotees. And in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, in the Adi Lila, Srila Prabhupada describes how those who are serious devotees resemble professors from a university who like to sit together, presumably in armchairs, and discuss the conclusions of their research. And those of you who are, who are uh, researchers and well-studied, which is probably all of you, have this experience of sitting with colleagues and discussing the results of your studies and your findings and so forth. Does this happen in high school? You discuss what happened in algebra class and go over different um, axioms? Yes? Munisha thinks so. <laughs> so devotees are just like that, only they get together and discuss the conclusions of the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita. They're fascinated by it. And it's an unlimited topic. There's no end to the discussion. So, Kateyantash Chamam Nityam, you'll find very long conversations that go on. In fact, they, they span millennia. If you read in the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam in the chapter called Prayers by the Personified Vedas, it's preceded by a question by Prichit Maharaj to Shukadev Goswami, who then refers to two previous conversations that have taken place. In fact, he refers to a conversation that took place when someone was questioning Narayan Rishi, and then in that conversation, the, uh, those who are discussing refer to the, the Kumaras having a discussion about the same point. So obviously this is a long thread that, that goes on for a long time, even before... Um, what is it? Snapchat? Facebook? <laughs> what are the other ones? Instagram? Twitter? Yeah, we hear a lot about tweets. And, you know, threads and so forth. They go on and on. How long can, can you go? Well, it turns out when you're talking about Krishna, you can go for millennium. Millennia. It can, it can, the topic doesn't get old. And it's fascinating. This is actually a method of self-realization to sit with like-minded people. And so you're like-minded, so say they're the, the people in the room are more advanced than you are, that's a good formula. And say you, you don't have anything to offer the conversation, but you just sit there and listen to, the, to others who do have a taste for it and have been reading up on it and hearing from others, and you just sit there and listen well, the effect is the same. Just by sitting in that assembly and listening to the topics, it's the nature of the human apparatus that the sound vibration is effective, either materially or spiritually. Materially, you can sit in a class on project management, and after a few semesters, with a little bit of follow-up homework, you'll come out as a budding expert just by sitting listening. That's mostly what universities are, right? Everyone just sits there and someone pontificates, says like this, it's like that. You go, okay, yes, sir, I understand. And then you understand just by listening. So in a similar way, by listening to those who are discussing Krishna Kata, the sound vibration enters the ear, goes into the heart, and there's a transformation that takes place 
within the heart. So that's one of the methods that Mahaprabhu uh, recommended. So what might a strategy be for those who are interested in advancing in spiritual life based on this first, what's called, limb of panchangam bhakti, the five most powerful limbs of bhakti, what might be a strategy that you could suggest based on what I just said? Okay, one person saying to Mike, then it becomes infinitely more interesting. Taking association of devotees who are like-minded and also devotees who are more advanced than oneself. Okay, you just repeated what I just said, but try to drill down and be more specific. Like, what would that look like? What would you do, actually? Uh, be open-minded and listen to what they have to say from their own experiences and from what they learn. Okay, so far I don't know who they is and like how I would get myself into that situation. This is a, I like what you said, but if you know more, please say more. Here, keep passing the mic around. Be specific. Specificity is interesting. Uh, maybe invite in your house, have a Bhakti Viksha, more oh, advanced yeah, devotees, and then... What if you invited uh, some advanced people to your house yeah. who like to discuss Krishna consciousness? They want to, you know, you know, if you let them in there, that's the, what they're going to talk about, right? So even if you're not interested in, in hearing that much, but if you invite them in, you know they're going to talk about it, and that's going to mean you know, you'll, ha you'll have to listen. That could be a, a good defense against Maya, right? This actually is one of the topmost methods of self-realization, is to use your home space, which you're going to use anyway, to invite people over. Either they're going to come over to have, what are they going to have? No, be more specific. Sandash and and halva. <laughs> you can invite your neighbors over. A lot of people, you know, they invite people over for all kinds of reasons. They play mahjong. Do you play mahjong? Mahjong, bridge. You play. You know, play how to play mahjong. Where did you learn that? Okay. <laughs> There's bridge, monopoly. People come over. They have some libation. They have, you know, some. A root beer, they have a little root beer and a, you know some crackers, and and they talk and they talk about what they're listening to and what are most people listening to. Okay, if they're highly educated people, they're talk. They're let's say they're in the liberal arts, they're going to talk about authors, and they'll discuss you know who is your favorite author, of what of poetry which moves you, and uh, what period do you think was the most interesting. If they're into cars, they're going to talk about, you know, drive trains, what year, who made the best car, what's coming out now is all junk, it doesn't, the carburetor, now we have catalytic converters, they'll go on and on about tires and things like that. And then, you know, if you get people who are into politics, there's no end to that, because it's, <laughs> because it's a very a highly charged kind of uh, topic everyone's polarized that's the very name of the word politics it's polarizing so everyone likes to take a side for no good reason and then just put forward their particular ideology and their person and it becomes very heated and contentious and there's a little russa in that <laughs> i hate you i hate you too you know there's a taste in that and um, so this is very natural everybody does it everyone's doing it right now on sunday but if you invite a sadhu into your house, the sadhu is going to talk about Krishna. And at first, it may not seem palatable or interesting, but as you notice, the vibration is different. It has a, a, a different effect. So uh, the Bhagavatam says, Satam prasangam mamavirya bhavanti kata. It acts like medicine. It goes into the ear and it cures the disease of distraction, into material fascination, uh, of uh, distraction of material fascination. And it starts to uh, change one's mind about what's the real value in life. Those things that looked like they were really important and disturbing, they become less so by the, the balm of the spiritual kata that goes into the ear. And one gradually changes one's decision to stay in the material world and decides, I think I'll go with these people where they're going to the spiritual world. 
so there's a noticeable effect. And all you have to do is do the same thing that everybody else does and just invite high-minded uh, devotees into one's home or space, whatever space. If you live in your car, you could fix up your car a little bit. If you live in a van somewhere, you can invite them in, fix it up, and, and ask them, you know, go for a ride or something like that. If, however you can get in the same space with those who are advanced and, and here, then naturally you become advanced in Krishna consciousness. In Panchangam Bhakti, the second, uh, not necessarily they're given in this order, but a second is that uh, one worships the deity. This is important, and you'll notice that uh, along the 101 freeway, uh, which is um, full of hoardings, billboards, advertisements, and really, really ugly buildings. There's no nice architecture. Everything's built for commerce. You just see the same kind of logos that are, it's almost sickening to the soul because it's so unattractive. 280 is a little better because, at least, in fact, it may be one of the most beautiful scenic routes in in America, maybe in the world. Driving over the 280, what do you think? Same time, there's no. Uh, well, of course, you can see Krishna in the sunset and in the trees and everything like that, but there's no um, there's no chakra at the top of a temple along there that would immediately remind one of, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In the old days when villages and cities were built, the central point would be a temple, and you could see either the spire at the top, or you'd see the chakra at the top, or whatever, the, uh, the half moon, is that what in Islam they put? Like there's some symbol, and you'd see it from a distance. From any, you, know, you can tell us, but he's our consultant. <laughs> Halal consultant. So you'd see that and you'd remember, oh yes, all this commerce, everything we're doing, we're bringing home crops, we're bringing home money, whatever. It's, it's meant to offer to the Supreme Personality of Godhead and you could walk in and you'd, you'd, be, awe, you'd be inspired. There would be a sense of awe. Like when I walked into the Montreal Cathedral in, in, in uh, it's actually called the Montreal Cathedral. It's in Montreal. There's a, a gigantic cathedral there. And uh, I went inside. Prabhupada had gone in there previously, so I decided to go in myself and have a look. And as soon as I walked in, I began to think of what a, a lowly sinner I am just by being in the, in the grandeur of that building, which is dedicated to the Supreme. And there's a sense that I'm tiny and I'm, I should submit myself to the Supreme just by walking in that building. I don't get the same feeling when I go in Costco or Home Depot. <laughs> I get the feeling in there that, you know, come on, pick something out, let's go, and uh, you know, you've got to buy five of them instead of the one that you needed. And you know, there's somebody's trying to manipulate me. And it's not that somebody's calling to me to, to surrender uh, to God. And so this having a temple to go to where you, you can be demonstrative about your devotion to the Lord. You walk in a temple. I remember going around Europe with my parents and we went in many places and some places you put a hat on, some places you're supposed to, you're supposed to take the hat off. It depends which uh, tradition it is. Some places you can walk in with your shoes, other places no shoes, but the point is you're, it's demonstrative when you walk in the house of God somewhere that there's something you're supposed to do. In Japan, there's these little um, f fountains in front of the temples with uh, wooden achman cups. They're on a long stick, and you're supposed to touch water, and then you ring a bell before you go in the temple. It's a big bamboo bell, so it's a little uh, more earthy than the Indian bells that are brass. But you make the noise, clack, clack, that I'm coming see, and they <laughs> clap before the deity. It's like I'm here. And there's a sense uh, that I'm here to worship. And there's a central place where the deity is placed. 
And uh, if you don't have that, if you miss that every day or you don't have it on a regular basis, it, it leaves a, a vacancy of where to put one's attention. And so Krishna says, Vyavasayatmika buddhi ekeha kurunandana bahushaka hirantashta buddhayo vyavasayinam. That unless you have a place to fix your attention properly, that'll be satisfying then the attention will be many-branched. You can go in every direction and does go in every direction. So having deity worship is really important, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, a place where you can come in a sanctified atmosphere and sit down and see the beautiful form of the Lord. Kapiladev describes this in his teachings to Devahuti, which he says the devotees who come into the temple and see the form of, see my form, he says, He's Krishna. See my form, my smiling form, that they feel satisfied in their heart. And they smell the incense, the flowers, and there's a, a rarefied atmosphere inside the temple. And Prabhupada describes how they become imperceptibly liberated. Imperceptibly liberated. Just by walking in the environment, it's, it's such a relief. I can think of times when traveling long distances on trains and planes and old taxis and feeling really wrung out and then getting finally to the temple wherever it might be in Hong Kong or India or somewhere in America and walking in and then you can smell the smell that smells like home I smell some incense there's a chance cooking somewhere in the back the flowers are there and then there's Krishna he's he's in his place on the altar and then the heart feels satisfied. All the trouble of traveling goes away. And as the Bhagavatam says, we're all travelers in this world. And when we come to devotional service, then we feel the relief that a traveler feels after being on a long, arduous journey and then coming back home. And so similarly, the temple is meant to be that oasis, place of relief. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, to come and worship the deity, to, to clap, when you walk in, ring the bell. You take a little Charnamrita. When I was just in Washington, D.C., I went to see Sri Sri Radhamadan Mohan and Sri Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman and Sri Sri Gornitai. And it, it was a long flight I had taken. It had been delayed several times just getting out. They warned us. It, we were putting too many bags on, and then they pulled out. They said, yep, too many bags. They pulled back in. Two hours later, we pulled out. Flying, flying. person next to me should have ordered two seats rather than one. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I spent most of the time standing up. And, uh, you know, it was, it was hard. But when I got to the temple, and I took one drop of Charnamrita in the temple, and I just felt like, okay, I'm okay. I'm back to normal. I'm back to good health. And so this is deity worship. You get that from Krishna. There's Mahaprasadam waiting for you. There's some Charnamrita, smell of incense, flowers. Humans need this. They dry up without, they start fighting each other. Without, if they don't get to see a little aesthetic beauty, and have a sense of this imperceptible liberation that they get from walking in the temple, they start getting really ornery and uh, think about, like, maybe I'll just kill everybody. Why don't I build weapons so that I can shoot them across the ocean and kill somebody else? That's what the preoccupation becomes, unless there's some sense of relief in the heart from the lower modes of material nature that drag us down. So in bhakti, we have arguably the most ordered system of keeping deities and temples. The Hari Bhakti Vilas describes in detail how to worship the, the, the form of the Lord, attending the form of the Lord. And similarly, Krishna himself, you want a real treat, you read in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna describing from his own lotus mouth the process of deity worship, how to attend to the form of the Lord in the temple. It's so nice. He tells all the whole process. He also describes how it is that the, the Supreme Personality of God it appears in the Archa form and that he's personally present there. And this becomes uh, 
the anchor, the foundational connection for everyone who keeps the deity in their home and then comes to the, to the temple to see the supreme personality of Godhead. There's, there's relief. Devotees even keep pictures of the deity because they become so attached. You'll see devotees keep the picture of the deity on the dashboard of their car. Uh, they have a picture on their wall because that's uh, a reminder of the presence of the Supreme Personality of God. And actually, not just a remi reminder, he's actually personally present, not only in the deity, but also in his picture form. And then we have, what's the next one? Huh? Bhagavatam. So the Srimad Bhagavatam is not just ink and paper. Although it looks like it, it's where the eternal meets the temporal in this world. That's a good tuning job. Thank you. It's where the temporal meets the eternal. Apparent ink and paper meets the eternal spiritual world there in the form of the Bhagavatam. And the Bhagavatam is the sound representation of Krishna. Krishna swadamo pagate dharmaganadi bisaha kalonashchadrishamesha after Krishna left, the Bhagavatam appeared. And by associating with the Bhagavatam, one gets Krishna's direct association. Just as in astrology, there are various planets that we like to avoid. Do you agree? Okay. Everyone freaks out and they say, what's that planet doing there? <laughs> It'll be coming through for the next seven years. Get ready. <laughs> like, no. So everyone wants all the planets to line up, but you can't. It's, it's, it's just the way it is. You look at your chart and he goes like, that's, that's your chart. You know, live with it. But there is something you can do. There's a remedy. And that is to move the Krishna planet into your own house. As Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, there's no difference at all between... Goloka Vrindavan and the Bhagavatam. So if you want to make the various influences from the material planets combust, which means you diminish their influence or completely eradicate that, then move the Krishna planet into your life. And you, f you can do that by physically moving the Bhagavatam into your house and move all kinds of other junk out. Like, where am I going to put it? Well, what are you doing with all this junk? get rid of the junk, the Bhagavatam will fit. And you put the Bhagavatam in, and then if you open it and hear from the Bhagavatam, then you'll notice that the vibration transforms everything. Next. Live in the Holy Dham. So the next in Panchan Bhakti number four is to live in a holy place. And um, recently, when I was in Toronto, Canada, I stayed in the ashram, such that it is actually, it's the room Prabhupada used to stay in. I stay in the side room right next to where Prabhupada's room was. And it's, uh, it's, it's, in, uh, it's in the temple. So you can hear every artique from there. You can hear the conch shell blow. Um, and uh, I always relish that, living in ashrams, that you could hear all the artiques going on all day long. You miss that when you live in a house or an apartment unless you're having artiques in your house or your apartment. But on a regulated, in a regulated way, the pujari comes out, blows the conch, the bell rings, you can hear the singing. It's going on out there. Krishna's being worshipped. You remember all the time. The vibration is, is different. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, try to live in the Holy Dham, which means in a, in a Krishna temple, or if you can, at least for three days, go to Vrindavan or Mayapur, or Jagannath Puri, the three most important doms for Gaudiya Vaishnavas, and s spend some time there just walking around, looking at the deities. This uh, will create a relationship. Just by the touch of the dom, you'll start to develop a relationship with the Supreme Personality of God, and you'll feel inspiration in your heart by walking around. Because there's a spiritual current that goes through the dom, and when you walk around in the Dham, in your bare feet, the electrical current comes up through your feet, and it goes into your heart. And you can feel it. And then you get transformed from the inside out. And the fifth limb, is everyone okay? Do you have enough air? 
We need a little more air and turn the heat way down so it's freezing in here. Is that okay? Yeah, and if there's any way to leak a little air, a little oxygen in here. And finally, uh, chanting Hare Krishna. If Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, if you take the opportunity of your human body with a custom-made tongue to chant the, the holy names of Krishna, especially the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, then you'll find for yourself that Krishna is dancing on your tongue. And you'll notice, as one devotee wrote me the other day, that by chanting every day, he said he feels realigned in his life. He remembers uh, his spiritual nature just by chanting the Maha Mantra. And if you take to that practice every day, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, and he also set the example by uh, doing it himself, he'd sit under the Imlital tree every morning up into the late morning, he would sit there and just chant the Maha Mantra again and again. And if you do that, hey, nice air, right? Can you feel it? What a difference. Then he said, then uh, you'll become attached to the process, and by the, by the power of Krishna's name, of repeating it, doing that service of repeating the Krishna's name, Atashri Krishna Namadi, Nabaved Grahim Indre, Seva Mukhi Jivado, Swayam Evas, then Krishna will reveal himself to you. If you use your tongue for service, and the best service that you can do is to chant Hare Krishna. And the solution to all the problems in life is to chant Hare Krishna. And when someone wrote Prabhupada and asked him about a specific problem that he had in his life, Prabhupada wrote back and he said, it's the same old answer, chant Hare Krishna. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, there's 64 items of devotional service. Five of them are so particularly, are so uh, potent that even if you practice them a little bit, have a little connection to them, even if you don't have full faith in them but, and you're not offensive, then he said, you'll attain full success. And out of the five, the most important or the one that fulfills all the others is chanting Hare Krishna. So if all else fails in life, and it will, then just chant Hare Krishna. And I saw a devotee here yesterday when she was taking around the, the key lamps during our meeting. She was chanting Hare Krishna the whole time. And I just noticed she was looking at the deities and she was chanting Hare Krishna. She was walking out of the room, she was chanting Hare Krishna. And I thought that's a good idea, to chant Hare Krishna. What is wrong with that? Just chant Hare Krishna. Do you, can you find any a defect in that? I'm asking the wrong crowd. <laughs> There's absolutely no defect in it, and we're given full permission through the Shastra. Aikulera Muktiya is a Nikila Shuti Malu Ratnamala Duti Nirajita Pada Pankajanta. I Mukta Kalera Upasimanam. The most advanced, liberated souls, they just chant Hare Krishna. So that's important to know. And if you, if you overcome any kind of hesitation you have to chant Hare Krishna, any resistance that you have, well, you don't have resistance, but if one overcomes a resistance to chanting Hare Krishna and chants Hare Krishna, then the, the spiritual world opens up to such a person. One's chakras are realigned, and one becomes uh, f fully aware of the Supreme Personality of Godhead by chanting Hare Krishna and uh, avoiding the ten offenses against chanting, which is a whole other topic we won't go into now. And now uh, we'll take a couple of uh, reflections before I just go on to the next section. Would you like to offer some reflections for anything that you've heard so far that's stuck in your mind? I can tell Shredder's ready to go. Okay. And then... Make sure that Shikumar Prabhu is equipped with a microphone just after Shraddha. Apparently we have to go to the store and purchase some mics. Are there more in there that we could buy from you? They're all out? Okay, good. Go ahead. Thank you so much for such a wonderful class and again reminding us about the five important factors. Uh, one of the things that stuck and I really liked was the example that you gave about how we want the planets to align with for ourselves. 
And then you said that bringing the Srimad Bhagavatam in is like bringing the Golok Rindavan into your home. And I thought this is a very good line we could use in book distribution while trying to sell the Bhagavatam. Yeah. It's a, the commentary of Vishnath Chakravarti Thakur. I've mentioned it many times in giving lectures where we're, we're trying to induce the, uh, the audience to take sets of Srimad Bhagavatams. It makes a lot of sense to me. Sri Kumar Prabhu. Thank you, Guruji, for these, all these wonderful five points. Uh, especially with respect to deity worship, when you said that when you uh, go in front of Krishna, you forget, remember everything. I mean, forget everything else, but remember Krishna. I was uh, remembering Balaji's visit. Generally, it's you stay in the line there in Tirupati for almost like many, many hours, and uh, you go through the squeezing and everything. Uh, at that point of time, many people feel that, uh, okay, this is the last time I'm coming here. But then you just take two, two or three seconds of the darshan of uh, of his deity. Then you, we want to get back into the line to again go through that. So yeah, it's just and every yagya is like that. the The preparation for the yagya is onerous. The cleanup is even harder. Ask the devotees who put away all the books in the book room. Venu Go, Venu Gopal Prabhu, Venudhari Prabhu, our hero. Um, you know, make sure that everything gets put away. It's really hard. But the middle part. And only it goes off in a very short amount of time distributing the books, um, and every yagya setting up the fire yagya, taking it down. The yagya takes place in a few minutes. The middle part is where the combustion is, but you got to set it up and take it down. Uh, part of me, yes, definitely. A bali prabhu. Hare Krishna. I like your uh, the point you made of Toronto, uh, the temple. I think it was during Prabhupada's time. Definitely, ninety percent or the majority of the devotees stay together within the temple or nearby community. And how the arthiks are moving from one arthi to another, just like Kumbh Mela in every twelve years, the Jupiter moves from one cycle of the constellation like from go to the lion leo to the other one so that it goes from Allahabad to nasik or different places so you can remember those arctic here right now but great assets that i recommend devotees those who are distance can also utilize the online tool of our isb to utilize to see the arctic or the classes but toronto example was really perfect that we should meditate on all the time temple program Good point, Bali Prabhu. I, I also know a lot of devotees who live in remote places and through the internet they stay in touch with the Artiques and so forth. Um, you can, depending on your time zone, you can wake up in the morning and turn on a Mongol Artique somewhere in the world through Mayapur TV. And that um, if you're attentive to that and stay on that kind of schedule, it's very purifying. Stay close to the deity. And to the Dom also. Yeah, good one. Thank you. Now, we just have a few minutes left, and I'd like to see if anybody has any questions. Thank you. This isn't a question, so you're not off the hook. Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you for a very inspiring lecture. As you mentioned, uh, chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, like out of 64, 5 is main, and out of 5, chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra is the main thing. So, my question is, Maharaj, I, it is so important. How do we develop attraction and taste, Nameruchi, for the holy name? Well, one thing that helps is. If you sit with other devotees periodically when you chant, especially in a circle, and also if you sit in front of Tulsi, that helps. Tulsi's uh, transcendental personality from the spiritual world. And also, if you uh, read about the Maha Mantra, one of the ways Krishna talks about mantras in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam to Sri Uddhava is that. When you study a mantra, when you get to know it, then 
it gives you more qualification to chant, as you'll be more interested in it. When you hear about something, then, for instance, if if you hear about a particular kind of, um, let's say, a food, and someone tells you it's a superfood, and just by eating this, all your wrinkles will fall off, <laughs> and you'll be you'll have energy throughout the day. You barely have to sleep. At night, there'll be no uh, side effects. Skin will take a nice tone. And then you'll think, well, where do I get it? And where is this food? And how do I prepare it? And so similarly, when you hear about the Ma Mantra, which is being described in various ways throughout the Shastra, Apana samsritim goran yandama vishogranan tata sadyo vimucheta yabhibheti swayam bhayam. The holy name will be there to save you from all dangerous situations. And it's described elsewhere as to be just like a touchstone or a philosopher's stone where you touch any, any item and it turns into valuable gems or gold. These are desirable. You hear about them in movies and plays, some kind of fantastical thing. But the holy name is all that with no exaggeration at all. And so if I hear about that and I'm chanting and my mind suggests something else, like uh, why don't you go and watch a, uh, a monster car, what are they called? Monster truck, truck what? Oh, monster truck jam. Why don't you go watch a monster truck truck jam instead, then you'll think, no, no, this is much better. Uh, because you've cultivated that uh, and understood it. So hearing about the mantra is very important, and there's various places that you can, can, um, can find compilations of descriptions of the holy name to remind you. I noticed that some uh, devotees are successful in sitting with, with a book in front of them, and every once in a while they'll look down and read something inspirational about the holy name and then keep chanting. But one way or another, if you can keep the mantra going, then, then you'll start to, one will start to develop a, a taste for it because the holy name is the most tasty thing that one can do with one's tongue. Thank you, Prabhu, for such an uh, important question. Now we'll take one more question. And if you think you have a stupid question, we'll give you $100 for it. Okay. So Prabhu, in married life, how can one develop? So one of the, we are doing Bhakti Shastri now. So sense control is one of the thing. So in married family life, like, how can one develop sense control? How to develop sense control in married life? Yeah. Well, one way is to have a, a regulated program because senses have to have something to do. And Haridas Thakur showed the example that when he was sitting, of course, he wasn't in married life, but he showed the example of how to procrastinate for a higher purpose. When a prostitute came to him, he told her um, later, and everyone knows how to do that. You have an exam to take, to study for, and you say, I'll, I'll study a little later, I'll study tomorrow. You just put it off. So if one has something else to do, pre to be preoccupied with devotional service, to stay on a regulated schedule, then you can defer it, just like you defer taxes. You put them in an in a IRA account, and then you don't have to pay taxes at the present time when you may have a high income later on when you retire and your income is low, then you can uh, withdraw them and then pay at a lower tax rate. So you defer them. So sense gratification, you just uh, put it off for the sake of following your, your routine. It also helps to have sadhus come and move in your house. Because when a sadhu comes to your house, then you have to rearrange everything and you start looking at everything differently too. Your house gets transformed a lot because it's easy to settle into a cozy little nest and uh, like a cocoon and get trapped in there and think, oh, we'll, be, we'll live in here forever in our happy little nest. 
and uh, forgetting that there's a hunter outside, like with an arrow drawn. So when sadhus come in, they change the environment. We used to have sadhus come all the time to our house, and I remember how much it changed us. One time, Keshav Bharti Marsh, he used to come there all the time. He was staying there, he stayed there for a month at a time sometimes. And he was working on the Bhagavatamrita. And uh, so I, he had to, he was editing, so he had to read the passages out loud that he was editing. So <clears throat> I put a speaker system so that when he would, would read out loud, it would go through the whole house. And so all day long, he'd just be reading, and we were hearing the Bhagavatam, uh, Bhagavatam Rita. At night, devotees would come over and sit around, and he would read it out loud. And one night, he was reading a section about Gopu Kumar going back to Godhead, and uh, everyone had their head down listening. And I, I looked up, and everyone had tears coming out of their eyes, listening to the Briyat Bhagavatam Rita. One time, Indra Dunmarsh came to our house. He brought Sri Prahlad and uh, a couple other devotees. They brought their Gorni Thai deities. They set them up. They went out in the yard, picked flowers. Then they had this kirtan that almost knocked the roof off. The roof was there, and it, the kirtan was so intense that the roof, I thought it was going to like jump off the top. <laughs> and that, at that point, I knew the neighbors knew that we were Hare Krishna. <laughs> and I remember after, after the, he and his party left, the whole house had changed. It was a different place. And so if you bring sadhus, bring sadhus into your environment, wherever you can get them, catch a sadhu somehow and bring them in. Bring a, a saintly person. He or she will transform your life by, by influence. Like Jamuna Devi Dasi, this uh, story told by, uh, what's her name, the famous violinist? Genevieve tells about how when she was growing up, she grew up in Krishna consciousness, then she was thinking like, am I really a devotee or, or I just like was born into this? Should I, you know, pursue the life of de devotion? And they went to visit Jamuna for a few days. She observed her and then Genevieve was describing how she sat in the back of the car with her parents driving home from this place up in uh, Vancouver, near Vancouver. Near, what's it called? Sharanagati. And, uh, and then she had this revelation that I want to be like her. I want to be a Vaishnavi. And she, that's when she decided. She actually made a decision. So if, if you can get Vaishnavas, get around Vaishnavas, go to see Vaishnavas, take them a gift, serve them, and uh, invite them into your house, and uh, feed them, and, and, and listen to them, then your whole life will change. That's why it's called Vaishnavism, because we worship Vaishnavas. And if you worship a Vaishnav, then you'll become a highly advanced Vaishnav. That's the sum and substance of all the practices of devotional service is worship Vaishnavs. Okay, Gaur Premanande Haribo.